everybody. It is me, Cass, your host, and I'm so excited for our guest today. I have been um, cyber stalking her on social media for a year or so now, and she helped me um, get through a lot of my endometriosis stuff last year, but she doesn't know that yet. But this is Emma Maxwell. You may know her as Endometriosis M on social media. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so, so <laughs> excited. I've literally been telling everybody, I was like, guys, Endometriosis M is going to be on my podcast. <laughs> stop I'm I'm getting I'm blushing <clears throat> um no but seriously I the content you put out is so helpful and so lovely and I like discovered not discovered kind of discovered discovered I had endometriosis officially diagnosed in like 2021 sometime I had like a botched first surgery um caused like way more issues than beforehand and then led me down the rabbit hole and someone sent me you I think actually and they were like, I think this girl will help you. And I was like, oh, let me see. And you do. It's just like people don't talk about it enough. And so just wanted to start off by saying thank you for talking so openly about your issues and struggles and like showing people what life is actually like with endometriosis and all these issues. So how did you become you? How did you become endometriosis M? Tell us the story. Hmm. Okay. Um. So endometriosis M started I'm gonna go all the way back to the beginning please do um I started feeling symptoms at the start of my first period um at the age of 13 I had gone through countless doctors nurses at first I thought that it was normal because it's kind of just what we're grown up to think that yep cramps are normal and pain is normal around periods and suck it up and everybody goes through it once a month and literally the everybody goes everybody goes through it hide it basically yep so for a few years I did just that I was like okay like I just need to suck it up this is really not great I'm in a lot of pain but like this is what everybody goes through like don't be dramatic because that's something I've been called my entire life It's so um, infuriating. Oh my! Mm-hmm. It's so infuriating because same experience and so many women experience the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's more com. It's so common, which is okay. why, which is why this exists now. Which is why I'm doing what I'm doing. For so long, I went, I went through seven years thinking that I was crazy. I went through seven years having doctors tell me that it was normal. I finally started to seek actual help around the age of 15 because I was like, okay, things are progressively getting worse. My pain's really getting bad. It's knocking me out. Like I can't go to school. And if I am going to school, I'm ending up in the nurse's office. And then the nurse is telling me that I can only spend 10 minutes with a heating pad or a sponge, um, a sponge ice pack, which is what our (laughs) ice packs used to be. And they'd give me a sponge ice pack and they'd be like, once that's warm, you got to go back to class. So I'd be like, okay, like, all right. And then I started to get punished um, for skipping class. My teachers, granted, I struggled with school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that being in pain, my basically my entire middle school to high school definitely didn't help. Yeah. Um, 
And then not being able to have modifications for that, not really having people understand and just kind of being like, well, like stop, basically, like stop talking about it, stop complaining about it. Painful periods aren't an excuse for skipping class. I heard that so many times I'd get sent to the principal's office for skipping class. And like I said, I just eventually convinced myself that I was crazy because everybody that I looked up to, my doctors, my teachers, my administration, even my parents, because they just didn't get it at the time. Yeah. We're like, that's just what it is. Like, because they didn't understand the extent of it. So I got diagnosed. I'm skipping around quite a bit. And we can always jump back to anything (laughs) if you've got any questions. But I officially got diagnosed after countless doctors, hospital visits, different specialists telling me that I was okay, that I was normal, that everything was coming back normal. At the age of 20, I finally had a gynecologist say, this is what I think you have. Like, I think you have endometriosis. Has anybody brought this up to you before? And I was like, yeah, actually I did have a doctor. Like I brought it up to my doctors before and I was laughing out of the room telling me like, there's no way that I could have it. So I was kind of like, yeah, like I don't have it. Like there's no way I I have it. And he was like, well, did you have surgery? And I was like, well, no. He was like, okay, we're going to book you for a surgery. And they booked me for a surgery two weeks out. Oh my God. Very fast. Yeah. Um, at the time, right. I, I don't think that my body was mentally prepared. I don't think that I was physically prepared. I don't know, uh, but I was just like, let's get answers. I didn't yeah. know. That's crazy. That's- I didn't know what, what it entails, what a surgery entails. And I was like, okay, two weeks out. Like it must be something really small. Like let's go find out if I have it. At the time, I didn't realize how important it was to be seeing an excision specialist, an endometriosis excision specialist, which yep. I relate to what you just said with the first surgery being a botched surgery because I got answers, which I'm forever grateful for. Yep. It absolutely caused more issues in the long run, which caused more pain. And yeah, after thinking that that surgery, because I basically was told you're going to have the surgery and you're going to be better. Yeah. Very... We're gonna put you on birth control you're gonna get the marina iud you're going to be better um, so <laughs> once i got my diagnosis i finally was like i'm not crazy i think that it rocked my world because finally i had answers to something i wasn't making it up i wasn't being over dramatic i finally had a name to my pain instead of just being like my belly hurts my back hurts like everything hurts yeah I don't know what to talk about because I don't want you to think that I'm only complaining all the time and like so I started endometriosis m as a way to for myself to share my story and to help others realize that they're not alone my whole basis was I want to be the person that I needed when I was growing up I wanted to be the person that I needed to see to realize that I wasn't alone, that I wasn't being dramatic, that there are other people going through the stuff that most people don't talk about. Yeah. So 
And then it turned into more than I could have ever hoped or imagined. And I'm so grateful. I don't know what I would do without endometriosis M. I don't know what I would do without endometriosis M. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, no, like what you're doing is, like I said before, like so important and kind of similar. So while you're talking, I was just like, yep, yep. Because like such a similar storyline with the endometriosis stuff and so many people I have talked to that have endometriosis, you go years without a diagnosis with because of what you said with like, we're just taught, oh, it's normal to have pain. Like I did not know that it wasn't normal for people to have to like crawl across the floor when they're on their period because their cramps are so bad or to like throw up because their cramps were so bad. Or like, I remember one time I was laying in my, my parents' room was like the sick room. Cause they had like a living room in their bedroom growing up. So I would like go and lay on my dad's chair and watch TV. And I remember my dad coming in one time and I literally had like my legs like up over. I was like dangling my head off the chair and like some very weird contortion position. And he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, this is literally the only position I'm not in pain right now. So I'm just going to sit like this for a while. And I did not know that wasn't normal. Like I have um my sister-in-law, she recently, we were talking about this and she was like, I like have never had like cramps. Like I don't have cramps ever. And I was like, what? Like I right? did, I did like, not you exist. Like that happens. That can happen. And then like <laughs> my my sister, I think, has endometriosis. The doctor thinks she has endometriosis and potentially adno- adenomyosis too. Um, but she hasn't had the surgery yet. But she yeah. always had like bad cramps too. But my our mom did not. And so like my mom never really understood that either. She had like some cramps, but not to the extent of like, I can't really right. describe the cramping because it literally is just like can knock the wind out of you and like it I love when you posted on the, I think it was recently like the like the stance that you stand in when you're because like, yes. I literally I started laughing out loud because I was like yep when you're like kind of punched you have to like hunch over slightly a little bit and pop the hip like, yes. yeah and you're like you just kind of freeze in whatever position it doesn't hurt and like try to move that way because it's like it's so awful it's just like a shooting it's terrible. And yep. the fact that we're just not taught about it. I don't know about you, but so I, at one point was put on a prescription pain medicine when I was on, I can't remember the name of it, but when I was, and it was only for when I was on my period and I was only allowed to take it three days in a row because it was like some ridiculous, probably like really bad for me medicine that like, you cannot take it more than three days in a row. Mm. And they were like, here, do this. And, and I was like, do we not, does no one else think that this is crazy? that you are literally giving me a prescription pain medication for my cramps instead of doing any, like none, this was before anyone had ever mentioned endometriosis to me. Mm-hmm. Just like, well, let's give you something to make it better in the yeah. meantime, but let's not figure out what the root, like, why are you in so much pain? Let's yeah. just. They just try mask to mask it. Yes. They just mm-hmm. try to mask it always, which is like, the so many women that like for me and I've talked to a lot of people with endo that they just put the birth control out there like so that's amazing that you got your surgery within two weeks because most like I brought up endometriosis probably in like 2017 to a doctor I asked if I could have like my hormones tested I was just like I need to Mm -hmm. do I need to get some stuff figured out I actually was um an intern for the mighty I don't know if you've ever used the mighty website yes yes so I was a chronic illness intern I was actually in charge of the endometriosis beat 
Um, and so I was like writing all these endometriosis articles and like sending the newsletters weekly. And as I'm reading these like stories and from people that I'm using for my articles, I'm like, holy shit, I think I have that. That's actually how I like yep. came across endometriosis. And yep. I brought it up to a doctor and she was like, well, we don't normally like to like test for it because it's a surgery. So we normally just treat it with birth control. And like little naive me, I was like, okay, like, I don't want to have to have surgery. I'll just be put on birth control. And so doctor. Yeah. And I was like, all right, that works girl. And so then I got the next one on one in the arm um, for, I was on that for like a couple of years. Um, totally fine. Didn't have a period for like two years. And I was like, this is amazing. Life is good. And then it just like (laughs) fell. Yeah. Yep. And then when I finally like had to then I came off the birth control and I had to beg my gynecologist to do the surgery. I was like, I have done everything else. I have fixed my gut health. I have done everything else. I'm still having these issues. Like you were talking about, like, why does my tummy hurt? <laughs> like, right. Right. No, there's Some no other. Hurts. Yeah. There's no other explanation. So, and like had to beg him and then he did it and also did not know, like he, I needed to have like an endo specialist and he was not. And mm-hmm. things it just and I like I did know because I had done some research um and I had seen stuff about like you need to have excision not ablation and so I like mm-hmm. specifically asked him and made sure and then like afterwards when I was like having issues and pain like I like sent him a message and was like just confirming again like you did excision and he was like something in his message was like we had to like there had to be some ablation too or something like that that was the same with me Yep. Yep. You find out after the fact, which is, it just feels very violating because you go into something with full trust in someone and you're quite literally telling them what it is or asking them and making sure that it is something. And then everything's in their hands. And then to find out afterwards, I found out in my medical notes and I was like, what's this? And he was like, oh yeah, like we had to do that. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, no. Oh, okay. Well, that would have been good to know. Yeah. Maybe when I'm coming out of surgery or like maybe like making sure that like you're make like letting somebody know and I'm not just finding it in my chart. Yeah. Monthly. When you got out of surgery and they like officially said like we found the endo, what was what, what was that feeling like for you? I broke down crying. Yep. There is a video out right now. Um from so you think you have endo I believe is mm-hmm. her name and it was a video of her waking up and asking if she had endo and I had never related to a video so much because I apparently I asked over 10 times and yep. cried all 10 times because I was so out of it but I just kept asking them I was like so I, I am not crazy. I, I have endo. And they were like, yeah, and you have a lot of it. And I was like, I just remember finally feeling validated. I think yep. for the first time in my whole life for a pain that had been grueling my life for so long. Yeah. So the biggest sense of relief, I am so, so, so grateful. I wouldn't, not that I wouldn't change a thing. Cause I do wish that I knew at the time how important it was to be seeing the right doctor. Yep. Which is why I do what I do now, because it's the stuff that like 
yeah, you can look up endometriosis online. You can look up painful periods online, but most of what you find is completely misinformation or it's outdated or it's like telling you that birth control will fix it or getting pregnant will fix it. And then all of these doctors mimic what they're also like, this is what they're taught, which is what's scary. So I've learned probably 99% of the things that I did about my health and about like endometriosis, but I also have other conditions on top of that. And I think that just speaking about endo and then being able to connect with the community and really understand that like, it's not normal to be in pain. No. It's just something you just normalize it and you don't know what you, I didn't know that it was possible to have good days. And I, after my first surgery was like, I'm never going to have good days. This is how it's always going to be. Yeah. And granted, we still have pain. I mean, my baseline for pain, all of our baseline for the most part is exponentially higher than a normal person because a normal person's a zero. Yeah. I'm starting the day at a five or a six and then it's extending as the day goes on because I'm using my spoons and I'm doing a lot of things and my body just gets tired. Like, and I always just thought that that was normal. It's so, but just hearing you speak, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just so nice to talk to someone who like gets it. (laughs) Like it really is. But that's like same with how I am a firm believer. Like you learn from the people who live with the illnesses, which is why like I have, I've been talking about my life with Lyme since I was 14. So for like 11 years, like I've had a blog and now I have the podcast and everything. And then all the other illnesses that come along with it. But Mm -hmm. like, that is how, and most of the stuff that I learned from about Lyme is from people who have Lyme because the stuff that you see online is like you said, misinformation. It's not accurate. A lot of the times it's pushed out by like the doctors or the agencies and stuff who actually don't live with this illness. So they can't fully, like you cannot fully understand until you have it. Mm-hmm. so like you act like then just don't speak on it it's kind of how I feel about it because like you can't which is like oh with this doctor so the guy who did the first surgery for me um which I also this is like a personal thing I have issues with male gynecologists in the first place because I'm like there's no way that you can understand anything that I am going through at all mm-hmm. <laughs> so like maybe just like mm-hmm. just stop talking but um no we <laughs> so I went um back to him And I, so I never had the internal pain that a lot of people with endometriosis have. I'd never had that until after my first surgery. And after the first surgery, I like everything hurt. Like I could not move. I could not move my legs like wider than like this. Like could not do lateral movements. I was a fitness coach at Orange Theory at the time. And I like could not run. I could not jump. Like I could not do any of these things without it hurting. Mm -hmm. And my mom had actually been to pelvic floor physical therapy for a different issue years prior. So I like knew about pelvic floor physical therapy. And so I brought it up to the doctor when I went back. So I was like, I am in so much pain. Like I need, like I can't, I'm not functioning. I am functioning worse now. Like my quality of life is worse than, than before the surgery. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, eh, it'll, it's, it'll go away. Like, it's fine. I'm like, you do not understand. Like I cannot, I can't do my job. I cannot mm-hmm. do anything. And so unbeknownst to him, I had already scheduled like the pelvic floor physical therapy appointment. I just like was hoping that maybe he would like write me something for like insurance purposes. Um, Right. But 
then like I started going to like once again like had to be my at my own advocate for it and like get there it just would be nice for a doctor one time to like you know give you correct information and support you and validate you but a dream is no a- yep <laughs> I were never taught at least I was never taught to be my own advocate I was taught that the doctors know best that yeah. all of these people know best and that like they're the qualified ones. And I've actually had doctors say that to me in the past when I would speak up about things. They'd be like, who who has the doctorate? And then they'd point at the thing on the wall, like their doctorate on the wall. That's and that, and so gross. I was like, oh. I'd be okay, like, have, have you like, been inside my body? With it? Exactly. Have you been inside my body? Because no, you don't know. No, you're oh. an expert, but I'm an expert on my own body. So it would be nice if, yeah, I just- I do what I do because I still struggle with it. I still have doctors that don't know my conditions and I'm paying them so that I can go there and explain my condition to them and then walk out with no help because they didn't know the correct definition of what I even have. So how are they supposed to help me? Yep. Like I I relate so hard to what you said about like the crying once you got the official, like after the surgery diagnosis, because my mom and I, my mom has been like my sidekick and champion through all my, cause like when I first got sick with Lyme, I was 14. So I couldn't do anything myself. So she literally was my, yeah. And I'm so grateful for her because she was my advocate and she's the one that taught me to advocate for myself. So with the right. endo stuff, like that was me kind of like pushing it and pushing it too. But when I finally got like the diagnosis, we both just started bawling because for years, like I've had so many tests done. Like I cannot count the amount of MRIs, CAT scans, all of the things, ultrasounds, transvaginal ultrasounds. Like that's a joy. Mm -hmm. And like (laughs) that I've had Mm -hmm. and not, and just be like, oh, it looks fine. I'm like, no, but it doesn't feel fine. So something's wrong. So to finally have that, and I told people that before, like you were happy you got, like you have an illness. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking happy I have an illness that they can actually like tell me I have a definitive diagnosis for. Yes, it is like chronic. And there is not a definitive cure for it, but I am glad I got the diagnosis. <laughs> At least then you have answers to what's going on in your body. And then you can start to seek, okay, this is what I have. Let me go find a community. I yes. wish I had known sooner about the community. The community is my whole world, yep. to be completely honest. I think that I would be so lost and I even find myself feeling so lost. And I feel like my persona out there is like, I feel like people feel like I have it figured out. <laughs> I don't. I'm still figuring it out. And I'm just here to share the things that I've learned in the past, things that I wish I had known. And then we're all still learning. I yeah. mean, every day I'm still learning. Like, I feel like I'm trying to learn how to live in my own body because the world is not set up for this the world's not set up for the chronically ill it's not like we're still expected to work we're still expected to go to school we're expected to function in the way that everybody else functions and I wouldn't even say normal because what is normal I think that everybody to a certain degree everybody's got their things going on I just we are expected I think for my whole life, I was expected to stay quiet and just keep my head down and do, do, do. Be productive. Do the things that society thinks that you should be doing. Go to school. Go to college. Get a good job. 
I I went to like same yeah I literally had this conversation with my therapist yesterday and she's a new therapist I started with this year so she like knows my story but like she doesn't there's still things you know like that's yes. just too much too much to go through there there's so um, many layers <laughs> yeah so many layers mm-hmm. but she had asked me because like I've been going through a pretty bad flare-up and she was like have you ever got like tried for like disability and I had to try so hard not to like laugh in her face on this call because I was like girlfriend no like that stuff doesn't happen for like us like I am just like disabled for life essentially like that's not really what I'm going to be able to get because it's also invisible all of my illnesses are invisible you cannot look at me and see that anything is wrong and like you like you said like you wake up every day and our baseline is so much higher than other people's from like other normal people have to deal with like they cannot there's no way for them to even imagine what like an actual day in the life is like and it's like I just like look at my body sometimes and I used to like hate my body I used to like like looking at it in general too but like literally would just be so angry I'm like why don't you work why like my body is fighting itself it doesn't make any sense to me and I would literally be like just cut it off I was like I literally wish you could cut from like below my boobs down just like cut it off none Mm -hmm. of it works I don't want it and now I'm like I'm so sorry that I used to say that to you because like you are so fucking strong and like I would not be here without this body and I'm so grateful for my body because like I do get up every day and like yeah I'm very lucky I work from home and I end up like on this couch most of the time while working from the couch and like have my heating pad attached which funny that you used to go to the health <laughs> the health you got room. mine on <laughs> yes. I have mine too <laughs> that you used to go to the health room for the heating pad because I literally would um <laughs> At one point, I was literally bringing my heating pad from home to school and making sure that I was sitting by an outlet and I would plug my heating pad in while in class because I was like, nope, I don't really give a shit. This is how I have to function. Like, right. I'm just going to have the heating pad on. I don't know what you would want from me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I feel like when I was in high school, I just like tried to, like, even when I would, because I would have, I would bleed through my seats in high school I would like because I just had such immensely heavy periods and I would wait for everybody around me to leave and I would slide off the chair try to like scoot it off with you scoot it off with me and then go walk around and then go to the nurse's office and then the nurse would be annoyed and be like another pair of pants so then I started I ended up having my locker I moved all of my books to my friend's locker I had one locker full of extra clothes, extra pads, extra, like all of these different things, just because it was something that was happening so much. And it was embarrassing to me. I didn't want anybody to know. I could never have anybody know that I had my period. It's literally, all right. (laughs) it's just so ridiculous to me that like that. Yeah. That's how we like live. Like, you know, that the tampon up your sleeve, like to the bathroom with you, slide that shit up. Like, oh my God, oh my God, no one can see me. No one can see me. Mm-hmm. I oh my god it gets me so angry because I'm like no like I talk so openly now with and like I've always been an open person but like all of my guy friends I talk like so I had a hysterectomy last October and so like they talk we talk about it all and they know it all and like I think that they are grateful kind of because like they and I have had male friends that are like thank you because like we aren't taught this stuff I'm like I'm barely taught this stuff like girls are barely taught anything about our own bodies anyway I did a whole yep. project when I was in college, my last semester of college, 
I was in a health communications course and my whole team, I was like, guys, we're going to talk about menstrual health. And we literally did a whole project and it was me and three guys. And they were all like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And like, they got so much more into it. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with you guys. Thank I you. I love you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so it was literally just like about how girls are not taught. We're not taught about our own bodies. Boys are not taught anything. Like how are men supposed to support the women in their lives if they don't fully understand? But the fact that you're not even taught essentially, I don't know how it was like where you grew up, but like where I grew up, the first time we're taught about a period was in fifth grade. And yep. it's like a day thing when they like show you this video from like the fucking 60s. Yep. And it's like this awful video. The teacher stuck a tampon in a glass of water and then like pulled it up. And we all were like, where? I don't understand. Where is that going? Like, I don't, I don't know. Yep. And like, and the boys, they separated the boys and girls. So the boys of learned course. a different yep. lesson than the girls did. Mm-hmm. And like, what do you even mean? And then I like can think, in middle school, maybe when we had family life, I don't think you really discuss the period anymore. Besides they're like, you menstruate, like your menstruation, whatever is 28 days. And that's Mm -hmm. all they tell you. So like, no one ever tells you, Hey, it could be less. It could be more. No one tells you the warning signs to look for, for things that like, now we know, like, like if your period goes X amount of days without coming, like maybe seek help or like your period for me, I got my period I would bleed for three weeks out of the month and then like not, I had like the reverse essentially. And like, no one ever taught me essentially like that that wasn't normal really. Hmm. And, or like the different phases, follicular ovulation, luteal. I did not learn that until like last year. Me too. <laughs> like yeah. what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? Yes. Yep. No, it makes me. Yeah. I'm just so angry. It's, like, I'm getting so and it's up to people like us to talk about it yeah. on social media, which sometimes I'm like, it's just so crazy. And I really do feel like things are shifting. And I really hope that things are shifting. I'm actually working on getting into what um like flyers and end of what toolkit for my high school and middle school. I love that. Um, let me know if I can help. I, I worked for a nonprofit that we did education materials. So, I oh my help. gosh. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we should chat more. I need yeah. to chat. I feel like the more that we as a community also work together, like the more you and I, like we have conversations, the more people have conversations. Like, I just feel like, again, I did not realize how similar so many people's stories are. Like, I will talk to people and be like, that's my story. It's literally, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, it's eerily similar. And it's so upsetting to me because I know how awful it was for me to have mm -hmm. to like sit and look at you and know that you went through the same thing. Like, yeah, it makes me feel comforted to know I'm not alone, but I'm like, it makes me so sad to know that other people have to go through this too. Right. Yep. That is the exact feeling. It's a very push pull of like, I'm so glad that I'm not alone, but I'm so sad that you're also in this with me. But we've got a really big community of people out there. Again, I had nobody ever talking about their painful periods. I had one friend growing up that had a super painful period. She would faint. Yep. Um, and we were just like, hee hee. Like, that's just how it goes. And we would joke about our bellies. Like, oh, we look six months pregnant today. Like, let's do a belly bump. Yep. And you just be like, that's so fun. Like we're so like, that's just the way it is. Like I have stomach problems and I had a lot of issues with 
my digestive system, which is why I was sent to like gastro things before I did all of the tests for gastro. I did like, it's such a runaround to different things because people don't talk about how endo can affect you so differently. I feel like people are just like, well, painful period. If you have a painful period, then you have endo and like, then it's just a painful period. But no, so much more like endometriosis. I have was chronically constipated like my entire life. And now I learned that like, oh, wait, that might actually like I have like IBS and like pre Crohn's they call it. But like, oh, it actually probably could have also been the endo causing that issue. And like nobody really acknowledges like the people because I also don't think people understand the pelvic floor either and how that functions. And when that's under chronic stress, like how that impacts everything. Like I did an episode with my pelvic floor physical therapist and we talk about like, I did not know it wasn't normal to like pee when you laugh or jump or any of these things. Like my entire life, like what? (laughs) Like me too. And I'm just like, it happened again. I think it's the little things that we normalize and I'm just like, but you just like quirky little thing about me. Like yeah, the the belly looking eight months pregnant. My entire, if you go into my hidden pictures folder on my phone, it is literally just photos of my belly over the years. Cause I would just like take it and I would just send them to my friends and be like, haha, like eight months pregnant today. And like, I keep them now because like they're what I would use to like show doctors. And I'll never yes. forget. I worked with this, um, Dr. Cassandra Wilder. She's like on social media and stuff. She um used to be like, it used to be like the menstruation queen or something. She's the person that I discovered like different phases with. Um, okay. But she, I have a lot of hormone issues after I came off of birth control like two years ago. And um, she like helped me get back on track with my hormone stuff with like herbs and supplements and my diet. But um, I was on the phone with her and I was like kind of giving her my story, which like we only had like an hour. So I was trying to give her the Cliff Notes version. It was very yeah. <laughs> so and hard. So she was kind of like, I wish I could see. And I was like, well, can I text this picture to you? And I think it's my favorite picture. I'll send it to you after this. So it's like, I literally, like, you know, like you say, like, you look, you're pregnant. Like it was the, probably the best one I ever had in my opinion. Like I was like, holy shit. Like this is actually, like, and my sister was pregnant at the time. And I was like, you could, I wouldn't be able to tell which one of us this was right now. It was so hard. Like my stomach was so hard and I sent it to her and she literally gasped on the phone and she was like, oh my God, this is like the worst bloat I've seen. And she was like, I'm so, so like, she like got really quiet and so soft. She was like, I am so sorry that you have had to deal with this for so long. And I, and like, no, and I literally started crying. So I was like, that's the first time, like a doctor or someone of that level, like validated what I had been going through because like, I would tell everyone, I'm like, oh, like my bloat and it hurts. And they'd be like, yeah, well, it's like just bloat. I'm like, it's not just bloat. Right. It's like I get bloated too. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I know it's not a competition, but, but. this is something I feel like people, yeah, growing up would be like, well, I have bloat too. Or, oh, I have cramps too. Or like, yeah, that happens to me too. And I'd just be like, well, you have nothing to compare it to, but then when you have, which is why I document everything Yep. because it's so easy to gaslight yourself into thinking like, well, you're just being dramatic or you're just like, are you really, did you really have a bad day the other day? Or were you just like, and I usually find on good days, I'm like, the bad days aren't bad, but it's important to document again for your doctors, for yourself, which is why I had so much content at the beginning. Like my TikTok started as a documentation for myself. Yep. I posted everything private 
it was a place for me to go when I was having symptoms to be like, these are my symptoms right now. Like I'm in so much pain, me just talking to the phone. And then I started to post things and then people were like, wait, I have that too. Wait, I have that too. Or, oh my gosh, it's not just me. And I was just like, it kind of just, like I said, it turned into something that I just never would have imagined. And I'm so, so, so grateful because as much as people say that I'm helping them, like everybody, this conversation helps me to understand. Like, I still need to hear it. Yeah. That like, there are other people out there that also, again, it's so sad. And I, I wish that you didn't have to go through any of this, but just the fact that stories can be so similar and you can go so long thinking that what you're going through is normal because the tests come back normal. Therefore it's normalized and you know, no different. So you're like, okay, this is just life. Like this is the way that I'm going to be living my doctors tell me it's normal. Everything's invisible by the look of me, except for the bloat, which yep. was the only physical symptom that I really ever had, which was why they sent me to gastros and they were like, well, constipation. My gastro this past December, so December of 2022, mm-hmm. things were getting really bad again. Um, I was going weeks to months without going to the bathroom. Um all of the medication I was taking wasn't helping. And my doctor looked at me and he was like, I don't know how to help you. Like you're too far gone. And I was like, well, I have endometriosis. It was in my digestive tract. They found it everywhere, like a spider web during my first surgery. Basically like it was pulling my colon to the sidewalls of my stomach. My bladder was pulled up and over. I had things like, everything was attached. And I was trying to explain that to my gastro. And he was like, there's no way endo could be affecting you like this. And a month later (laughs) I had my surgery and they were like, oh, we've never seen someone your age have something look so far progressed. Like they told me that my uterus looked like somebody of the progression of somebody that was in their 40s to 50s um which that was the adeno yeah um granted but it's all connected it's it's just there's not enough information out there and the more we have conversations like this I think the more maybe if it just one person hears that what they're going through isn't normal and to go find a different doctor and like it's really hard to get an endodiagnosis as well because it is a surgery. And a lot of people are like, well, do I want to go do that to be told another test to come back that it's normal or that they didn't find anything, which is how I felt going into both of my Me too. I was like, I don't want this. I don't think that I want this. Like I was so nervous leading up to it because I was like, this is going to be money that my parents spent. Like, This is going to be medical bills. This is going to be time that people need to take care of me. This is going to be more time in a hospital. Like it was just all of these things that I was like, I've done this before. I know how this goes. And then, which is why I got so emotional when I got answers, because I was 
convincing myself, even after my first surgery, going into my second surgery for endometriosis with an excision specialist, going into it, I was like, they're not going to find anything. What if they don't find anything? And I've just been so dramatic all these years. And like, they removed everything in the first surgery and I'm just being dramatic. That's literally me going in for my hysterectomy. So I had to like, so I did the hysterectomy because like I've known since I was 14, I wasn't going to have kids because with Lyme, I could pass it on. And that was just something like I didn't want to do. And then I always suspected that I had endo and women with Lyme already have issues getting pregnant and keeping pregnancy because it gets into like the connective tissues and things. So it's just like, I'll had all okay. these reasons behind it and was like, I'm not, right. not going to do it. And, um, I, had been asking for years like I would just say like I just want them to take it out I was like I just want them to take it out like I don't want it I don't need it just take it out and my mom and everyone was like no like you you want you might want it like you, you might change, change your mind you might change your mind and so finally my mom and I in 2019 went to a, a Lyme conference in New York and this doctor who happened to be one of my old doctors and she was like our favorite um and she did a whole panel about like mothers and babies with Lyme and like explained like her she kind of had been doing like a loose study on like moms and babies and like fully like because there is no actual there had not been actually until recently like studies done on this about yeah. like moms moms and babies with Lyme and it was like an kind of like artificial one she was like every single one had it the moms all kept losing the babies because like the they just because the lot bacteria was in their uterus and, and everything and they couldn't keep it and they would like it was just like all this information and my mom I like looked over at my mom and she like just had like a tear streaming down her face. And she just like looked at me and she was like, I get it now. I get it. And so like after that moment, like it was like, kind of like that hurdle was over. Like my mom was on board with me too. Mm-hmm. So then after I had the botch surgery, then it just, and things got worse again. And I was just like, I just want it out. Like I just want it out. And mm-hmm. I was so scared to ask the endo specialist to be like, can like, can we just do the hysterectomy? Cause I knew I needed to have another excision. And I was like, I just want to done at the same time. Like, I don't want to have to have another surgery after that. And she, um, we like went in, my mom and I went in like guns loaded. Like we like had like all of like everything documented. Yes. We yeah. were so prepped all the documents we needed, like all the, all my history stuff. And I just like walked in and said it. And she was just like, okay. She was like, can you like explain to me why? And I did. And she was like, okay. And I like was so shocked because I was 24 and I was like, I did not think that that would happen. Everyone was always like, no, you have to be older. And with your age and with you were just saying with like how your uterus looked like someone that was like in their forties, they had at one point said to me that like, it couldn't be as like, they don't normally see that in someone that young or someone like, or like before you've had children or something like that. And I'm like, but you can't say that. Like, you don't know because you have not actually been in there. And then like same when they took everything out and she kind of like told my mom on the phone after the surgery and everything and was like, no, like it was bad. And they found it. Like I had kept saying to people and like, like you feel like you're crazy. And I just Mm -hmm. like kept thinking I was crazy. I literally had this like video on my phone of like my stomach. It was like, I had no control essentially. I felt like of my core muscles. And like, I was like, I would tell people and my brother's like a physical therapist. And I'd be like, it doesn't work the way I want it. I need it to. I'm like, I'm trying to get it to activate and do the things and it's not working and it won't move the way it's supposed to. And there's like, and you're just not doing it right. Like it is. And I'm like, no, like it really, I'm trying my mm-hmm. best. Like it won't work. And they, it would like move. And sometimes it would be like, I would literally like have to like 
put my hand and kind of shift it a little bit. And then it would kind of like go into place essentially is like with my stomach. And they found it, the endo like in between like muscles and ligaments and things. So that they weren't able to function properly. And when they told me, I was like, oh my God, like I'm not, I wasn't crazy. Right. It actually was that. Like, mm-hmm. And then I always had like bladder issues and stuff like that. And they like found it on my bladder and it's just like absolutely crazy. Um, I know someone who had endo and they found it in their lungs. And um, she also had to end up having a hysterectomy because like her lungs had collapsed several times. And they said that if it like, there was so much scar tissue that like if, and endo that like they wouldn't maybe be able to reconnect them. And like mm. people, that's not talked about. Like if you've pulled someone off the street and asked them what endometriosis is, one, there's a great shot. They have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. And two, tree me what? Yeah. <laughs> like, and two, they'd like, be like, huh? it's a painful period. It was like, yes. And you can't forget. Yes, the and. End. You can't forget the and because it is so much more than just a painful period. Yeah. Yep. And it's like people like you that are showing like, the actual day-to-day life and how like it's so important now that we know the different stages of our cycles (laughs) to show like how it and I think that changed the game for me too because like I still PMS I still have my ovaries which I think that's unfair in my opinion I should not have to but that's a story for a different time but like I know how did like I'm like okay I'm entering into my luteal phase like I can still tell those things to be able to know like to plan the head for things kind of is so mm-hmm. important. Like if someone would have explained that to me years ago, do you know how much like suffering, at, like I feel like I could have missed out on a little bit from being yep. able to like know this was kind of coming and be able to plan ahead. It's a cyclical thing, but we're not taught, like we're taught, yeah, it's 28 days, but we're not taught that you're more productive in one cycle. And in one cycle, it's, you're not going to be, you're going to want to be inside. You're going to want to be, like, yes, I just wish because in my different phases, I'm able to now do different workouts. I'm able to make sure that I'm planning things on the times that I know that I'm going to be feeling good. Granted, my cycle's still irregular sometimes, and that can be difficult to plan around. But if we had learned sooner, yep. Also, the day is set up like, a man's cycle is in 24 hours. Yep. A woman's is not. A woman's is not. And we're not taught that like, it's okay that you're going to go through periods of resting and there's going to be periods that you feel more productive and take advantage of that. And there's so much that I wish I had learned. So I just really exist to put out information that I'm like, oh, wow. I wish that I had known that earlier. Or how do I not know that until today? Like, I know that that's going to help somebody else in a way that it could have helped me if I were to know it sooner. And it is. We're so grateful for you for sharing your knowledge and story. (laughs) And like you said, like, you're just, you're living your life. Like this is you living your life and you don't have all the answers, but like sharing the knowledge is so important because that's how, like they're, the doctors aren't going to give us the information that we need it's people that are living with these illnesses that can share their stories and the tips and tricks that help them that are what's going to help people. So thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. (laughs) Okay. So before we end um, every episode, 
I have the guests recommend a song um, because I just love music and music has helped me so much in my healing journey. So do you have a song recommendation you'd like to give? It can be anything. Some people give full albums too. So you go with what you feel. Okay. I'm thinking the first one that comes to mind that I've been really, really loving. Um, it was actually the person who let me start over the person who produced this song and wrote the song is a husband of his wife has endometriosis and he wrote broken wings um his name is sean delaney okay i was so unprepared for that song oh god Uh, i'm so excited to listen i've been so emotional if you've not heard it yes if you have endometriosis or just any like it is an incredible song and I felt like I was living like I could just feel my story through it and also just feeling not the suffering of other people but just so like how much we have to go to through and it was very interesting to hear it from a perspective of someone who has been there through it all like isn't necessarily it's not happening to them but they are able to be there and still show love. And I think that that meant a lot because you don't always see that. Yeah. We're going to have to have a part two of conversation and talk about that because that's a big one. Oh, we can talk all the time. I know. I'm like, I'll sit here forever. I I I know I probably have things to do, but um, (laughs) yes. um, That's, that's, I, I love that song right now. I, okay. I'm really excited. Broken wings. You said Broken wings. Broken Wait, wings. actually, let me. I'm gonna look at. I want to make sure I'm giving you the right information. It really is like I I, that's it. why I just love music because the one that I always talk about. Um, I think was like I think I actually went through the day and I think I've accidentally recommended it like four times on the podcast. But her diamonds by Rob Thomas and he wrote it about his wife, um, and she, like going through chronic illness and it's just like about like oh, it's her like just she's crying and he can't help her because like they don't have the answers and those kinds of things. And like, that was just like me and my mom, like that was our, that was our song. Like I would just like lay in my bed crying and she would just come in and cry with me. I was crying on the couch listening to it last week when I got paralyzed and I was like, it's back. But um, then I found out that his wife has Lyme. And I think they might've said that she has endo too at one point. And I was just like, it just hits different when you know it's about. yeah I'm ready I'm like already getting the chill so we're we can both go listen to our songs after this I love that and then I'm gonna text you okay I love it oh my gosh yeah this is Emma happy I'm so happy this made me so happy okay well she's definitely coming back for a part two okay okay (laughs) thanks for coming (laughs)